A good day of Shabbos, dear friends. Um, very sorry about the late recording of the words on uh, Parsha Shmos. Uh, anyway, we're we are uh, in a very very fundamental partials partials that have to do with Shibud Mitzrayim, and of course Shibud Mitzrayim is the archetype for all of the Shibudim that are going to be, and uh, really essential to try to take a look at, understand, there's a lot to talk about, we'll try to deal with one small facet of it, and that is, we want to understand when we focus on the Shibud Mitzrayim, so of course, the Torah, Hakdosha, is written on many levels. Um, it has to, it, it re- it's something that's relatable to uh, children, something that's relatable to older adolescents, and, and of course adults. And uh, so therefore, it's written on many levels, uh, just like life. Just like life is complicated and has many different levels, so the Torah is complicated, it has many different levels. So growing, uh, as a child, one, one, one imagines the Shibud Mitzrayim with the few stroke, you know, the few pictures, the few ideas that we have, that we see in the Chumash that are expressed, and that, you know, that, that kind of becomes the Shibud. Um, slavery, um, harshness, har- harsh masters, crying, tears, and um, and then fighting of uh, Paro with with open miracles to try to uh, bring Klausel out of there against the mighty Egyptian army that are holding Klausel down. When we take a deeper look, we realize that it, it wasn't so simple, it wasn't so black and white, and um, and the Shibud, and this, more importantly the Inui, the affliction that took place in Mitzrayim, was not so simple and so obvious to notice. So, we're going to focus on a few points. Number one, to understand that the situation in Mitzrayim was clearly um, not the full-on um, slavery as, uh, as maybe the... They took place with uh, the blacks in in in, in America or, or or people in some other places where you have this super um, crushing murderous um, slavery where the you know uh, the people are basically being driven to to destruction by their masters. Um, and, uh, and and it's a very simple thing to understand that, by the way, in 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 America as well, in the United States of America as well, um, the 
slavery, which the you know, the super harsh slavery with the whips and everything, that um, was a lot less common than people think, and that was because slaves cost. Uh, quite a bit of money to purchase a slave. So a person wouldn't purchase a slave only to um, destroy them or to, you know, to, to ruin them. Um, now, of course, there were people that were willing to do that. You know, people that are uh, very uh, not, not, uh, not good businessmen or people that are people that prefer the ability to exert power over someone else than uh, even financial profit, but, but that was not uh, the standard. Perhaps there was different periods, different locations, if they could bring in slaves more and more and more from Africa um, without uh, really having to pay for them, then yeah, then, then they would be just worked to the bone until they couldn't take it anymore, and then they just bring more. But in a contained system where over here you have Klausel being used by Paro to really power the country's economy, like the Pasuk says, that when Moshe Rabbeinu came to Paro and asked him that Klausel want to go and sacrifice to their god, it'll be a three-day journey there, one day on site, three-day journey back, that's an entire week, all in all, the Klausel will be missing for a week, Paro was horrified at the thought, right? Uh, he, 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 got, he, he was so distressed over the fact that Klausrel might be um, not working during that time, being that uh, Klausrel were such a major workforce, like Rashi there explains, that there's so many of them and they do such a big job for Klausrel, how could Paro possibly envision them taking a week off? It would uh, cause a meltdown in the Egyptian economy. So you see, the Egyptians uh, valued Klausel as a, as a as a workforce, and and uh, and therefore, specifically, uh, when Moshe Rabbeinu went out, he saw an Egyptian man beating repeatedly uh, a Jewish man that stood out as an unusual act. Now, certainly, there was. Um, physical force used to compel workers, um, but that didn't necessarily have to be um, a, a, a terrible, um, you know, it, it wasn't like a shocking thing. For example, up until not long ago, in schools, whether it be in, in Europe or, or even in America, the students, if they misbehaved, would be would be hit by the teacher, either with a ruler or some sort of a stick or spanked or, or whatever may be the case, with, with, a, with a strap. So it's not very far-fetched to understand that an employee, a worker, would also potentially be hit for underperforming in their work. And by the way, we see that Klausel were employees. They, they did uh, work for pay, for that matter, from a number of places. Number one, we see that when Basia, Basparo, the daughter of Paro himself, um, is looking for a wet nurse, and she is introduced to Yocheved, so she says, okay, so you go take this child and rear him, and I'll, and I'll pay you for your work. So Basia, the, 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 
the princess, the daughter of Paro himself, um, cannot just um, force Yocheved into working for her. She has to pay her for it. Um, also, we know that when Paro Chazal teaches that the when the pasuk says that they worked klausal beperach beperach that means crushing labor, but Chazal darshan to be perach a soft mouth. Soft mouth is that initially Paro said to them, "Listen, we're going to pay you very well, and everybody is doing it. This is a very very important." national effort, and then little by little, um, you know, Paro kind of pulled back, away from that, and left Klausel doing it. But you see, yeah. initially, they were paid extremely well, and, uh, you know, even if the compensation declined to a certain extent, but it was still something that was a, that was a job. It was a job. And uh, just because something is a job doesn't mean that the person doesn't have the status of being an Evid. Very interesting Gemara that I want to discuss with you, and that is the Gemara in Bava Messiah, that the Gemara said, discusses a, a worker, a worker um, renting himself out for, 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 the, for the job, Daf Yudam with Aleph, right? That as long as the person is a hired work hand, right? So he's considered to be like an Evid, he's an extension of the Balabais. Uh, to, even to the point that, let's say, if, if he's um, on lunch break, he, he's, he's sitting there eating a sandwich, and a, uh, I don't know, uh, a bird is flying by and drops a diamond near him, and he picks up the diamond. Uh, even though he found it and he was on his lunch break, um, that goes to the Bailim because his entire time is sold to the Bailim um, and uh, you know, kind of belongs to him. So the Gemara uh, belongs to him. So the Gemara says that uh, that the Evid though has the Jewish uh, not an Evid, I apologize, the, the Jewish worker though, has, has the option to withdraw at any time from his contract labor and withdraw and be able to collect the payment for what he's gotten so far. It means you can't say to the, to the person, listen, you're not going to get paid since you didn't finish the, the day or the, or the week or the month, the year. Um, you're not going to get paid. That, that would be, says the Gemara, a violation of what the Pesach says that Klausrel are avodim to Hashem, tiksiv ki li bnei Yisrael avodim. To me, the Jewish people are avodim, avodaihem, they're my, my servants, v'lo avodim avodim, And they're not servants to other people. So the Gemara understands that a, if, if a person was working for someone else and he couldn't leave that job, and that's defined even as not that someone keeping him in chains, but that he won't get paid. He can't leave and get paid for what he's done so far. He would have to take the loss of everything he's done. So means right now he's not just getting paid 
for every minute that he works. But that he's sold his time, his day or his week, his month, um, for, for X amount of money. Now it's no longer his. So the Gemara understands that that would be called a, to be an Evid. Because your time is not yours anymore. The If I work for someone, so every moment I can walk away. So every moment I'm making a new decision that I'm willing to do this job so I can, you know, so I can get paid this. But if, but if it were to be a situation where a person um, kind of sold himself, even for a day, and even if all the owner has over him is the right to, his, to the work of his hands, he doesn't have a right to torture him, or, or he doesn't have a right over his body, he doesn't have a right to use him in any other ways, but that itself would be enough to to classify him as an avid. So, Klausel were avodim in Mitzrayim. Now, uh, to what extent were they avodim? So, certainly, there was, we, we do see that the Egyptian man was beating the Hebrew man, going and beating throughout the day. And so, and, and again, and that stood out, that, if you look in the Guraria there on the spot, that was a unusual behavior, so much so that it drew Moshe's uh, ire, uh, unlike a, a regular te- taskmaster where, you know, perhaps if the worker was being lax, that he might get a hit or two, but uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be this ongoing striking. That's another point. Now, just continue that story further, take a look at the Rashi says, why was this Egyptian man going and striking and striking throughout the day, uh, this Jewish man? Is he was clearly intimidating him, meaning it wasn't just he was punishing him for his work, and also wasn't that he was um, you know, trying to kill him, obviously, because it was an ongoing process. It was, it was a lengthy, um, it was a lengthy time and time again um, development of, of striking and going and striking again. So the Rashi explains that he was intimidating him. What was he intimidating him from? Well, when you intimidate someone, it means that you're concerned that they're going to tell on you. So you try to intimidate them into silence. So what was the intimidation? So Chazal understand that this Egyptian had done something wrong, and he was trying to cover it up. And what is this now? Uh, the Torah, a very big principle we have in the Torah, the Torah didn't come to hide things, it came to reveal things. It means to say, um, if the Torah is telling you something, there should be a way that you can figure out what it's referring to. It wouldn't just be referring to something that we have no ability to find. Uh, that that would be um, that would be an unknowable. There's no point to hint to us uh, that the Egyptians intimidating him and trying to get him to be quiet about something if we have no idea what that is. So then we go and we look. What are some acts of individual Egyptians, uh, perhaps an act of an Egyptian taskmaster, that would that would be something that he would be worried, that he would be um, snitched on, that he would be told on by the Jew. So that's how Rashi, according to Hazal, uh, connect this story to the story of Shulamis Bazdivri. Shulamis Bazdivri was a attractive Jewish woman who was a little bit too uh, 
into speaking and, and conversing, conversing with the Egyptians. That's uh, alluded to in her name, Shulamis Bas Divri. She would Bas Divri. Is, she was the daughter of speech, and Shulamis is, she would say Shalom, Shalom. She would say uh, greetings to you, greetings to you, peace to you, to everyone around. So she was a, a very um, outgoing, uh, very extroverted type of a lady, which obviously is not a very tsunua way to behave. And therefore, the, that caught this, the eye of this Egyptian. And he, Rashi tells us, according to Chazal, came in the middle of the night to the Jew's house, told him there was some very important, urgent um, job that had to be done out in the field, perhaps a broken uh, pipe of some sort, a canal, a collapsed, ca- collapsed canal, or whatever it may be that he made up. And the Jew went out there to work on that, and he kept him out there. And meantime, himself went back inside and 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 uh, had relations with Shulamis Bas Divri. And from that came the person that later on is going to be called the, the Mekalel, the, the cursor, the one who cursed Hashem's name, because he is he is described as the daughter, as the son of the Egyptian man and the son of Shulamis Bas Divri. Um, so the interesting thing to note over here is that you see that when the Egyptian taskmaster um, wants from, to take for himself a Jewish woman, he doesn't just go and forcefully take her in broad daylight. He has to come on to such trickery, such deceit, um, sneaky ways of doing it, and then afterwards, once the Jew sensed that there was something wrong, and the Egyptian understood that, he was very concerned that the Jew would reveal this to the authorities, and therefore he was striking and hitting him, intimidating him, trying to get him to stay quiet and not tell on him to the authorities. So you see clearly that these were, uh, there were many, many um, other Maimari Chazal that I was hoping to get to, but just to give us an idea that, that the Shibud Mitzrayim was not what we envisioned uh, of the physical um, suffering and affliction. On the other hand, what we don't realize is the terrible spiritual affliction that was happening in Mitzrayim. Um, as we mentioned, there was there was a perach, a vodas perach, perach, with a soft language, which means that they seduced us, they enticed us into um, living Egyptian lifestyles, into living like Egyptians and becoming... Um, Primarily, people who, who who live that way. And uh, and uh, th- that's actually the morale, uh, as, as well as a number of other Mephorshim later uh, explain, that that's what we say in Birkas Hamazon. Every time that we bench in Birkas Hamazon, we say, Shehatsiyanu mi Mitzrayim of the Sonomi Besavodim, you took us out of Egypt and you redeemed us from the house of bondage. So the question is, what is this redundancy? You took us out of Mitzrayim. Of course, you, seemingly, we're no longer in the house of bondage. Whatever the house of bondage is, maybe they had houses over there, they had houses of bondage. But if I left Mitzrayim, so I've left the house of bondage. So, answer is no. The house of bondage means an intellectual, an emotional, a state of being, of viewing oneself as an evid, of viewing oneself as 
um, needing to carry out the will and the and the, and, the, and the edicts of the the Mitzrayim. So not only did Hashem take us out of Mitzrayim, that He physically liberated us, but in addition to that, He took us out from the house of slavery, which means an, an emotional, a spiritual, an intellectual enslavement to the Egyptian way of life, to the Egyptian uh, philosophy of life. Look at life. Egypt was an extremely hedonistic culture, uh, a, a culture that was completely uh, engrossed in physical pleasures. And Klausel were very much connected to this, by the way, when we were there. Uh, Chazal tell us that that the angel of, of uh, Egypt was saying, why should Hashem be saving Klausel? Look, these are idol worshippers and those are idol worshippers. These are no better than those. We know that Klausel complain and say, we miss the, the, the delicious food that we ate, the, you know, the, the pots of meat that we sat by, the, all, all the fish and the, and the vegetables and everything that we, that we ate when we were there. Uh, and now we, we, yeah, we're, we're, we're in this we're eating mon in, in the desert. This is not this is not a very desirable situation. So the uh, the Klausrel were in deeply engrossed in physicality, deeply engrossed in the aspect of Mitzrayim, which is called Taiva. Uh, Egypt represents physical pleasure, licentiousness. Um, water, Egypt is a place that has the Nile, the warm weather, the water activities, um, promiscuous dress, promiscuous behavior, uh, delicacies. That, that's what Mitzrayim was about. And Hashem had to not only save us and take us out of Mitzrayim, but Hashem had to also redeem us from the house of bondage, redeem us from a state of viewing ourselves as being enslaved to that way of life. And of course, that's a message for generations, it's a message for us today. A person is born strictly physical. The, the, the child, one-year-old, two years, three years, all they do is they look for ways to sleep more comfortably, eat nicer, uh, do take care of their physical being, and 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 enjoy the the, the delicious things that they're looking for. And uh, the truth is that a person will stay that way not only until three years old, but until thirty years old, and until further, if the person doesn't make a CS Mitzrayim, if a person doesn't make a revolution in their heart, in their mind, change the understanding of what life is about, and leave the state of being in Mitzrayim and redeem one's heart and one's thoughts from the base of Odom, from the house of slavery, Bez Hashem, we should be Zohar during these parshas of Shovavim, the first one of which is Parsha Shmos, to take ourselves out from that worldview and enter into a worldview of Odom Hashem, Good Shabbos, Looking forward to seeing all of you soon.